take a look at a couple of particular verses in Ephesians chapter 1. If you'll recall, we've, we've been spending, a, well, we have been spending a lot of time in Ephesians 1, uh, but it's packed with solid stuff that we need to, to either be uh, reminded of or perhaps even learn for the first time. And you may recall at the beginning of all this, I said Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 to 14 is all one sentence in the original language. The Apostle Paul uh, just starts at verse 3 and just goes and doesn't take a breath until verse 15. And we're coming to the end of that portion here this morning, but I'm, wanna, I'm going to, we're going to be focusing on verses 13 and 14 this morning, but I'm going to read for you uh, that whole passage, um, Ephesians 1, 3 to 14, just to sort of remind us of where we've been, and then we will, uh, verse 13 and 14 will come up on the screen, and we'll be focusing on that this morning. Just before we, uh, we read Scripture, let's take a moment to pray. Gracious God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you that um, it anchors us. And as life throws many uh, storms and the winds of change come, we thank you that down through the millennia, your word has kept your people and kept your church on track. And we recognize what your word says, that your word is sharp, and it's like a, a double-edged sword, and it can cut through all of the confusion and all of the misinterpretation and all of the, the questions that our lives can encounter and can cut right through to the core of each matter and right to the core of our lives, right to the marrow even. And so we pray, um, in that sense, God, we, we ask that your word would, would cut us this morning, would, would penetrate deeply into our lives, that you would perform your surgery through your word this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's listen to God's word from Ephesians chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made it known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we are also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who are the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession, to the praise of his glory. My friends, this is God's word to us this morning. Thanks be to God.
more belief this morning, more, more things that we need to be reminded of or perhaps hear about for the first time. Uh, and next week in particular, we're going we're gonna to focus on, uh, there's more, more belief that we're going to talk about, but, but how, does that, how does that translate into our behavior? In fact, next week, um, verse 15 starts with, for this reason, and then it goes on from there. In other words, all the things that we've been talking about, consider all that, and then for this reason, as a result of that, here's how it should change. Here, here's what should change in your life as a result. So stay tuned for that next week. But we want to focus on verse 13 and 14 this morning. Because again, I just want to focus on some of the key words that are in this passage. And if you'll notice that I've, as I've been going through this, I've just been pulling out words. Um, sometimes we just need to get back to that because you, you hear enough words in your life. Um, and sometimes even in church, you hear enough words. But, but sometimes when I'm, when I'm preaching, sometimes I feel like, man, maybe that was, maybe I just, that was more my words. I, there were too many of my words there. Um, preachers go through that sometimes. And, and so sometimes it's just good to come back and go, let's just focus on the actual, let's just go through the verses and look at the words. And so we've been doing that. We're going to continue doing that for verse 13 and verse 14. I want, to, I want to remind you, before I jump in there, that all of this one sentence, verses 3 to 14, all of this points us back to praise. This is a praise document. To the praise of His glorious grace, to the praise of His glorious grace, to the praise of His glory. Paul repeats that in the various sections of this, of this larger chunk. He always brings us back to that. This is praise document. Um, it, it's... It, it's it needs to be something that is re- we're reminded of all the time. Um, I have to say, um, Lincoln, I'm sorry, I didn't actually, um, I, I wasn't focused on, on some of the words that we were singing this morning because I, I was moved, smiled, and I was moved by watching the little girl up here. I, I can't remember, is it your daughter? What's your daughter's name? Serenity. Oh, perfect name. Serenity was up here with her little mm, pigtails like this and her little dress that was reflecting in the light and all the sparkles. Um, and she, she's a mover, She's a mover, and she was moving, but the, the one song, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips, that's the only part of the song she knew. But she was standing right here, and she was waiting for it, wasn't she? She was waiting for it, and it was coming, and she was, you know, and then right on cue, I could see her little mouth, mm, your praise will ever be on my lips, ever be on my lips. That's where I was like, Whew. but God just had me somewhere else. Um, powerful, out of the mouth of babes, Right? Your praise will ever be on my lips. So everything we're talking about in this whole section, we talked about being chosen and adopted a few weeks ago. Your praise will ever be on my lips. Last week, redemption, what it means to be redeemed. Your praise will ever be on my lips. This morning, we're going to talk about being marked. Your praise will ever be on my lips. So serenity, thank you. I mean, I could sit down now and we'd be done. Just pull her up here and have her go. Let's look at verse 13 and 14. With that in our minds, your praise will ever be on my lips. Paul speaks of being, in verse 13, he, said, he speaks about being included in Christ. You were included in Christ. This is really, really critical. Um, and it's critical for, for maybe for you to hear it for the first time. It, it's critical that we be reminded of it continually. It should be the focus of, of what we do as, as the church. It should be one of the focuses of our message. This, being, this sense of being included in Christ all of these spiritual blessings that we're talking about in this long run-on sentence, verses 3 to 14, all of them 
Scripture very clearly teaches there, all those blessings are there for the taking, and they are for those who have been included in Christ. Well, the question then is, okay, they're there for the taking, they're wonderful spiritual blessings, how, how, do, I, how do I get in on the blessings? How does one get included in Christ, to use the scriptural phrase? Paul answers that question, um, I think, in these two verses, verses 13 and 14. Um, he, he, he sort of presents steps, as it were, from, for one to, to go from being outside and being what he calls later in Ephesians, objects of wrath, deserving of God's punishment and wrath, um, to being included in Christ and in on all the blessings that we're talking about. Talk, it just gives some steps, as it were. The first one is hearing. He says in verse 13, you were included in Christ when you first, I added that word, when you first heard the message of the word of truth. When you first heard. What's the word of truth? He gives another phrase, the gospel of your salvation. This, the sense God, this word gospel, it just means good news. The fabulous news of Jesus, that's the word of truth. In fact, Jesus calls himself the truth in, in John chapter 14. Now, this gospel of your salvation, the word of truth, it, it's, it's the good news. It's what we are all about as followers of Jesus. It is the John 3.16. That's why we, uh, many of us memorize that from our, with our Sunday school teachers when we were little. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, talk about belief in a moment, will not perish, but will have everlasting life. For the church rookie, for those of you who are here and going, this is kind of new to me, um, uh, so I'm just trying to piece it all together, let me tell you that that, that step from being, from being outside of God's um, love and, and outside and, and being still open to the punishment of God for our sin, to being included in Christ, safe and secure, experiencing the spiritual blessings that we're talking about, the first, first step, as it were, in that direction is for you to hear this good news, just like you are now. You can't, you can't step towards Jesus unless you hear about Jesus. Hearing comes first. Even if you're a church veteran, actually, especially if you're a church veteran this morning, and you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, can I just remind you of that? Hearing comes first. For those of you who um, have people in your daily, and this gets actually into our behavior, um, for those of you who are tracking with people in your lives who, who you know do not know the love and the grace and the mercy of Jesus, and you would love for them to experience that, can I tell you, can I remind you that the first step for them to, to be on that journey is for them to simply hear it, to hear it. Now, you might say, well, that's what Derwin's for. I try to get them to come to church, and then Derwin tells them, Well, what's God got for you? Does that mean you have to stand on the street corner with some sort of weird sign and, you know, stand on a soapbox and let people hear? It's probably not a lot effective. 
We need to earn the right to be heard, right? Nobody likes a know-it-all. Nobody likes to be told, um, well, here's what I think you need to do with your life. But we have people in our lives who have earned the right to speak those kinds of things into us. Why? Because they've tracked with us. We know that they're for us. They're with us through thick and thin. They, they've been doing life with us. And so we go to them when we say, you know, I just, what do you think? And they can speak to the heart of our lives. That's the call, that's the call of Scripture, is that, is that we love people that way. Just live before them, not with some ulterior motive to eventually pull out the, let me pull out my Bible and show you. It's just, I track with them. I, I journey with them. They know that I'm genuinely loving them. And then the conversation comes. How does your life work? What's this church thing? What's, this, what's that all about? You, I mean, you, you, what's it all about? Well, let me tell you. And they hear. That's the first step. To being from outside to being inside Christ and included in Christ and all the blessings is for them to hear. We need to be reminded of that. That uh, another step is not just hearing, but script, the passage says believing. It continues on and says, when you believed, you heard the message, and then when you believed. Can you hear this this morning? Hearing and believing are two different things. They're two different things. Believing is, is, is another step further. You know, we can, we can pull a chair up here this morning, and I'm sure you've seen this analogy before, but it's a powerful one. You can have a chair, you say, okay, um, it's a chair. It's, it's a chair, that, that's good. And, and you could stand there and say, I think, I think that chair would hold me. I think it would hold me. That's different than this. I think that chair would hold me. I believe this chair will hold me. I don't know if that helps you, but, but that's always a helpful analogy for me. Because belief seems to me that, that simply hearing about something or thinking something is one step, but then actually sitting down, as it were, you're putting your weight on it. In this case, not just figuratively, but literally. That's, that's the sense of belief. Having believed. It, it's not just hearing. It's not just, well, that's interesting. It's not even just mental assent. Like, excellent. Yes, I know John 3.16. Got it right here. It's, it's, it's actually a step of, no, I'm going to lean my weight on it. All this, all this talk about God and Jesus, I'm actually going to lean the weight of my life on it. Um, in Romans chapter 10, I think Paul kind of gets at this a little bit more. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, he talks about believing, um, amongst some other things. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. Now, we could preach three sermons on that, but, but I just want to point out one thing to you, that there's this sense of um, this believing in your heart that 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 this whole story of Jesus, born, lived, died, rose again, there's a sense there, that, yeah, I believe it, I believe it, and there's, but, there's, but there's a second part to the belief where there's, there's confession, 
Okay, and, and in Scripture, when it says, you know, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that's not, the, the sense there is not just, well, just say it out loud. You know, I believe. Confession in the scriptural sense is, no, I believe. Jesus is Lord, and I'm going to lean my weight on that. Do you get, this, do you get this, the picture? You know, lean my weight on it. That, that's, that's, I think, what, what um, that, that step of believing is. Okay, we hear it, we hear the good news, yeah, God loves me, I understand, but, but the sense of believing is it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to change the way I live. I'm going to confess with my mouth, Jesus, you are Lord. What does that mean? All I am, all I have, Lord, it's yours. I'm going to lean my full weight on you. That's a, it's a powerful picture, this moving to be included in the spiritual blessings um, that we enjoy in Christ, there's a, a, a sense of hearing and then believing, leaning full weight on. Please hear me this morning. Please hear me. Hearing, then believing. The two distinct things in the passage. And it is possible... It is possible to be, to be here, to be here every Sunday, to be here any time the door is open, to participate in a bunch of things and to serve in different areas, but it is possible to be here and only here. Did you get that? It is possible for, for someone to do the church thing. Why? Well, it's because... That's what we do. My wife told me to come. My friend dragged me here. I like the social life. There's free bread. <laughs> it's possible to be here and only here and never to take that step of uh, everything that I'm hearing about Jesus, I, I, I'm actually going to sit down. I'm going to lean my weight on it my whole life. And it, it's possible to never take that step. To only hear and not believe. And, and the question for us this morning is, have, we, you know, have you in your life actually leaned your weight on everything that we sing about, everything that you, uh, Derwin preaches on? And have you leaned your weight on it? said, Jesus, you are Lord. I'm dead. You live through me now. When you believe, having believed, we hear and we believe and then this third step of being included in Christ, I think the passage shows is this whole sense of marking, being marked. And this is what I, what I wanted to focus um, just our, our, our eyes on particularly this morning. Verse 13, you were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, here's the third step, you were marked. You were marked in him. The third item of praise Paul identifies in this long run-on sentence is being this idea of being marked. He, he talks about being chosen, talks about being redeemed, and now he talks about being marked. And every single time, you're chosen to the praise of his glorious grace. You are redeemed to the praise of his glorious grace. You're marked to the praise of his glorious grace. You are marked this morning if you have leaned your weight on the Lord Jesus. What does it mean to be marked? It, it literally means to be set apart in order to be readily identified to be set apart somehow, to be readily identified. 
it occurred to me this week, I do sermon preparation everywhere. I was walking the dog. Dogs do this. They mark. Hang on to your hats. It's a sermon analogy about dog urine. Dogs do this, right? Particularly male dogs. Our, our, our dog's a female, so she doesn't do as much. But, but they'll walk down and they'll pee on everything. Why, why, do, why, do, why do they do that? Because they're marking their territory. They're just, you know, I, we joke around that they're checking their pee mail. They go around sniffing and they, they you know, send an email. And they, but but they, they mark, they're, 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 they're setting apart so that it's readily identified what is theirs. So dogs go around sniff, they're like, oh, Joe's been here, you know. <laughs> but but they, they set apart, right? They're identifying what is theirs. That's all you're going to remember from my sermon, isn't it? <laughs> remember when he talked about the female? That was funny. They're doing something to identify what is theirs. Humans do this as well, not in the same way. <laughs> I went on a missions trip um, back in university um, to Hungary, and uh, I was one of the co-leaders in the team, but the, the main leader in the team had this bright idea. He was a youth pastor. Sometimes youth pastors come up with really bright ideas. The bright idea was, hey, we've got to make sure the team stays together, so let's get matching hats. You know, we can stand out in the airport. So, well, I'm just sure, whatever. Um, so he show, we show up at the airport um, to leave, and he's got hats for everybody. Fluorescent yellow hats. They were hideous. And there were 17 of us walking through, you know, Amsterdam airport, like, follow me. You know, it's, a, it's worse than my shirt. It was just like, whoa. And there were 17 of us, you know, walking through. But man... When I, came, like, when I came out after getting my, my lunch in the Amsterdam airport trying to find the team, no trouble identifying them. It was the large group of yellow things over in the corner, right? We were given something that, that marks us, that identifies us. We were identified as part of the team. We were readily identifiable. We were set apart. Some of this is the picture of what's going on here, verse 13. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal. You were marked in him. Marked in him, it says, with the promised Holy Spirit. We're going we're to come back to the word seal in a second. But wait, marked in him with the promised Holy Spirit. Not with, not with some ugly hat, but with the promised Holy Spirit. And, and um, Jesus talked quite a bit about the Holy Spirit in, in John chapter 14. Jesus says, I'm going to go away. He says to his disciples, I'm going away. But he says to his followers, but I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the promised Holy Spirit. When we believe, having believed, we're marked as followers of Jesus with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's our fluorescent green hat, as it were. We're marked by the Holy Spirit. We're given the Holy Spirit. We don't have to wait. We don't have to do certain things to, to receive the Spirit of the living God. Having believed, we're marked in Him by the Holy Spirit. We're, we're, we're given something that identifies us, and that's the Holy Spirit. 
And Paul finishes up this passage just giving two images, uh, two pictures for us to help us get a sense of, of this being marked by the Holy Spirit and, and what the Holy Spirit does for us. And, he, and so he gives two. The first one is a seal, marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit seals us. A seal, this word in the original Greek language, is a really powerful word. It's one of those words that just comes alive when you understand the, the, the imagery. Um, it, it signifies a number of things. In fact, it's used, the same word is used in a, different, a number of different passages in the New Testament that, that give a, a different angle on, on the nuance of the word. I just, I just want to give them to you because I think, I think they really, for me anyway, it really um, it fleshes out the fullness of what it means that the Holy Spirit seals me. Here's one. It means, when the Holy Spirit seals us, it means security. There's this, um, in Matthew 27, um, the story of, of Jesus' uh, crucifixion, Matthew 27, verse 65, Pilate speaking, he says, he says, take a guard, go and make the tomb, this is the tomb of Jesus, go and make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting a seal on the stone in front of the tomb and posted a guard. Pilate wants Jesus' body secure, so he seals the tomb. We all know how that turned out, right? Um, stay tuned for Easter. But Pilate wants the tomb sealed. He wants to make the content secure. Here's, here's the picture, um, this nuance of the words of seal. After hearing and after believing, we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. He, he seals us in Christ. We, our position before God is secured. Nothing can, can remove us from that. Man, that's powerful belief that shape, should shape our behavior. If you've heard the word of truth, the good news, and you've placed your weight on it, and you've said, Jesus, you are my Lord, and you have charge of my life. Now, my friend, you are secure. Can I tell you that this morning? I don't care what happens. I don't care how bad you think you mess up. You are secure. sealed by the Spirit of the living God. It means security. It also means approval when we're sealed. Uh, John chapter 6, we're reading about, uh, about Jesus' comings and goings, and uh, he, he's, he jumps in a boat and goes to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and, and it says, when they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you were looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. They, they had just, uh, the feeding of the 5,000 had just happened. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Same word, seal. On him, he's speaking about himself, on him, uh, the the Father has placed his seal of approval. On Jesus, God the Father places his seal of approval. We know this concept when someone gives you a seal of approval. One of my favorite um, commercials that I see, it's usually now on later night television, but the George Foreman Grill. Does anyone own the George Foreman Grill? We're coming to your house. The George Foreman Grill, as George puts it in one of the commercials, um, you know, the lean, meeting, excuse me, the lean, mean, fat-reducing grilling machine. 
the George Foreman grill. It's just, I mean, it looks like a regular grill, for heaven's sake. But why do we buy it? Because George Foreman goes, it's good. It's got the George Foreman seal of approval. Right? Through believing, God's seal of approval is placed on us. Just like when Jesus was baptized and the Father spoke and, and said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. It's as if the, God the Father was saying, Jesus has my seal of approval. In that same way, it, Scripture teaches we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. And a, one sense of that is that, that the Holy Spirit is, is God's seal of approval on us. He gives us his spirit, and by that he's saying, I am for you. You're my son, you're my daughter. With you, I'm well pleased. Security, approval. Here, here's one more. This idea of ownership. 2 Corinthians 1.22, um, Paul says, Now it is God who makes both, of, both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set a seal of ownership on us. Really simple. Another picture of the sealing is, is owning. When we believe there's a transfer of ownership from us to God, Jesus, you are now Lord. You have charge of my life. We become his possession. All we are and have is his. We call him Lord. There's control. There's ownership. That's this, another sense of this, this idea of being sealed by the Holy Spirit. An ownership transfer occurs. When you sell your vehicle, you transfer the ownership over. Same idea. The Holy Spirit's a seal. The passage finishes with a final picture of the Holy Spirit. It's a deposit. Not just a seal, but a deposit. The promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. Deposit. Again, uh, the Holy Spirit seals us, but the Holy Spirit also is a deposit for us. We get this concept in our regular life. What's a deposit? When you buy a house, what do you usually have to do? Put a down payment down. Another word for a deposit. Could be a few thousand dollars. It depends on the, the price of the home, but, but it's, it's a down payment. You have to put a deposit down. What does that mean? When we bought our house here, we had to put $5,000 down as a down payment. What does that mean? It, it, it basically indicates to the person you're buying the house from, hey, I'm serious, and here's five grand with the promise, particularly in Vancouver, that there's a whole whack more money coming to you, <laughs> right? It's a deposit. A deposit is, is a first installment. It's a down payment which guarantees that there's more to come. That's what the Holy Spirit is to people who believe. It's a first installment. A down payment from God to us with the guarantee there's more to come. There's more to come. It occurred to me this week, this way, this is, the, this is the thought I had this week. There is a tremendous, when we talk about the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and, and, and one God in three persons, that, I mean, that's a separate sermon, but one God, three persons, but, but between Father, Son, and Spirit, in this, in this one God, there, there's, there's, there's beauty in that Trinitarian relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit. And there's a whole lot of joy, and there's a whole lot of peace, and there's a whole lot of goodness, 
and there's a whole lot of intimacy that God experiences within God's self, within the Trinity. There's a whole lot of joy and peace and goodness and intimacy that Father, Son, and Spirit enjoy. And, and, and here, here's the sense that that, that is ours, that that same joy and peace and goodness and intimacy um, is ours to experience as well. And we will not experience that fullness of joy and that fullness of peace and that fullness of goodness and that fullness of intimacy until we experience eternity with that triune God. But here's the good news. Even though we won't experience the fullness of that until the redemption, um, the redemption of those who are God's possession, which is pointing towards, you know, that time in eternity, we don't have to wait to experience um, it at all. We have some of it here. We don't experience it in its fullness, but we have some of it here. Some of the joy and the peace and the goodness and the intimacy. God says, I'm going to give you in the Holy Spirit. Here's a deposit. Here's some of it, and there's a whole whack load more joy and peace and goodness and intimacy coming. I guarantee it, God says. Here's the Holy Spirit. And through the Holy Spirit, we experience just a sense. It's enough to get us, you know, when you have a little bit of taste of beef and you just want more. Or if you're vegetarian, a little bit of taste of raw carrot and you just want more. Tofu. Mmm. Here's a little bit of joy and peace and intimacy and goodness. And in eternity, there will be a whack load more. The Holy Spirit's the first installment of a Christian's inheritance. The measure, a measure of joy and peace and goodness is ours now through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives us that taste and guarantees us that there's more to come. As one theologian puts it, the Holy Spirit is a little bit of heaven in a believer's life with the guarantee that there's much more to come. There's a lot in that few little verses. And it closes with another key word with the picture of being God's possession. God's possession. I would argue that's the picture of this entire passage. Through hearing, through believing, and through being marked, we become God's possession. That's the picture, I would argue, also of this entire section. We are chosen. We are redeemed. We are marked. We become God's possession. Where God says, you are mine. I will be faithful to you. And we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit who seals us and who is a deposit guaranteeing our full inheritance. My friends, what we've talked about this morning, let these truths soak deep in you. I know Lincoln talked last week about being redeemed and, and just putting it out to you again, saying, maybe you've Maybe you need to talk more with someone about that. And we're not going to put the high-pressure sale on people, but maybe you've never actually taken that step from hearing to believing. Maybe you need to talk to me or to someone else here this morning. We need to let these truths soak deep within us if we are a follower of Jesus. Your praise will ever be on my lips. Ever be on my lips. Let's pray. God, we worship you. We worship you. Your praise is on our lips because of who you are and because of what you've done. 
and we've, we've simply basked in some of that this morning. Would you continue to let these re- this reality of this whole passage about being chosen and redeemed and marked, l- let, it, let it be to the praise of your glorious grace in our lives so that your praise is ever on our lips. Through Jesus Christ we pray.